mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today as Habitat for Humanity prepares to raise the wall this weekend on their next home build projects, the program will come full circle with its first official mortgage burning ceremony at the same time. Habitat's Wendy McCormick will join us. Also this morning, everyone wants to get outdoors this time of year, and the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts is bringing entertainment to the street in the weeks and months ahead. We'll get a preview. And a preview of programs and events coming up in the month of May at the Findlay Hancock County Public Library. Sarah Clevidence will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 27th, 2023. You know, it is uh, that time of year when allergy uh, sufferers uh, start to experience those spring allergies uh, here, uh, getting into the uh, spring season. And if you are thinking that this allergy season is the worst ever, if you've been uh, hearing that, oh my goodness, this uh, allergy season is going to be the worst ever, um, there is a reason for that. The pollen season, this is according to... Uh, Dr. Nilu Tumala, speaking with uh, NBC News, she says the pollen season is three weeks longer now than it was 30 years ago, and there's 20% more pollen in the air today than there was three decades ago. Uh, Dr. Tumala is an ear, nose, and throat specialist, co-director of the Climate Health Institute. Yes, she blames it on climate change. That is directly to blame for the increasing numbers of those suffering from spring allergies and the increasing severity of their symptoms. So, there you go. Uh, Climate change. Blame spring allergy season here. Hard to believe that we are almost one-fourth of the way through the year already. Um, This weekend, uh, the end of April... And, uh, yeah, we're one, well, no, one-third. Yeah, one-third of the way. One-third of, I said one-fourth. We're actually one-third of the way. We're farther along than I thought we See, just as, I just can't deal with that. I just, uh, my brain won't let me comprehend that we're a third of the way through the year already. It's just, just... Uh, This is kind of interesting. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, um, ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence chatbot that has been uh, making all sorts of uh, headlines, uh, people using this in all kinds of creative ways. We've been talking about it on this program. This, I think, is one of the coolest applications. (laughs) I mean, people have been doing all sorts of things, letting their imagination run wild, putting this uh, chat bot to use, artificial intelligence, to kind of see what it can do. So someone uh, was able to generate stereotypes for people in each of the 50 states. I don't know who did this or what inspired them to do this, but the results, I thought, were actually fairly spot on. Uh, So they asked the uh, AI tool, ChatGPT, to come up with stereotypes for people in each of the 50 states. So here are some of the cliches that it spit out. Uh, It talked about rude New Yorkers. I think they have a reputation. That that has not been my experience. I mean, for me personally, 
whenever I have been to New York, I find the people to be very, very nice and uh, and and very helpful, very friendly. But uh, they do have the reputation of being rude, rude New Yorkers, crazy Floridians, <laughs> surfing Hawaiians. I was surfers as the uh, cliche reclusive Alaskans. I think just by very by the very nature of living in Alaska, you would be by definition reclusive. So that's not um, Oregon hipsters. OK, uh, patriotic Texans. No argument there. Uh, free-spirited Californians. <laughs> well, that was kind of interesting. That's, that's one way of putting it. Free-spirited Californians and down-to-earth Ohioans. So, according to ChatGPT, according to artificial intelligence, we Ohioans, very down-to-earth. I can, I can live with that. I can live with that. That was kind of interesting. Uh, let's see. What else is going on wonder what they had for michiganders it doesn't say <clears throat> uh i'll have to look that up and see well you can look it up There's ai cliches for the people of the 50 states down to earth ohioans all right uh speaking of uh, technology this is uh, more along the lines of technology that all of us uh, i think can relate to um, and that is the use of emoji. You use emoji in your uh, text messages and occasionally your emails, perhaps, getting to be more and more uh, commonplace, certainly very acceptable in casual communications, even uh, a growing use of business casual type of communication. I think an official business communication, emoji are still uh, a no-no, but you know, business casual, uh, you might in, insert an emoji into a an email or a text message. You might think of emoji as a helpful tool to communicate a an expression or, you know, some some way of communicating a mood that is hard to evoke through the written word. But uh, a new study suggests that emoji might actually do the opposite. A researcher at the University of Tokyo found that participants in a study who sent happy emojis often did so to hide negative emotions and make their messages appear more positive. Um, uh, Moyu Liu, an emotional behavior expert at the University of Tokyo, says we do need these uh, little yellow faces, these uh, emoji to help us express uh, feelings and emotions in written communications. However, this study of over 1,200 volunteers, mostly females, by the way, between the ages of 11 and 26, found that expression might be being obscured with emojis and that uh, people are more likely to fake their true feelings when communicating with people of higher social status. Hmm. So they're putting on a happy face, sort of virtually, in the virtual world, through the use of emoji. So again, putting on a happy face is nothing new. The fact that we're doing it via emoji is kind of interesting. People also hid their emotions more in group chats than they did in one-on-one conversations. 
So kind of interesting. The next time you get a group chat and there's an emoji, there might be uh, something deeper underneath the surface. Kind of interesting. Uh, let's see what else is going on. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Um, speaking of work, uh, this is kind of interesting. And this is uh, more research out of uh, the University of Tokyo, um, just as the emoji study was. The question, do you have to participate in happy hour to advance your career? Uh, research, the University of Tokyo suggests this might not be the case. This was a study of 3,500 men between the ages of 25 and 59. They found no significant difference in earnings between those with a high or low tolerance for alcohol. They're thinking you have to go out uh, with your coworkers for happy hour, uh, tip back a few, and it's just part of the culture of work. And if you don't participate, you'll be seen as, you know, uh, less of a team player. Not the case. Professor Daji Kawaguchi says we found no justification for drinking for the purpose of improving labor market outcomes. In other words, uh, people who didn't imbibe were no less likely to get job promotions or higher uh, earnings, pay raises, that kind of thing. Despite the widespread perception that drinking is important for business communication and socialization, we did not find evidence supporting the idea. So... Kind of interesting. Make of that what you will. Certainly worth knowing. And how about this story? This is spring cleaning time, right? We get into this into the spring season, and uh, people get it in their head. They got to go and and uh, clean out all of their clutter and and organize and all of that. Well, let this be a lesson to you. The story of an English family's spring cleaning. Um. Basically had them really cleaning up, literally. In the attic, as they're clearing out all of the old junk from from the attic, they discovered a box. And uh, inside, it had been uh, apparently stashed away by the original owner of uh, of this home back in the late 60s. And it had been stuck in the attic and left there undisturbed, forgotten, about for all of these years. So they pull this box down and they open it up. And inside they find a bunch of Asian antiquities from the Ming dynasty of the 15th century. Dating all the way back to the 15th century, the Ming dynasty. They had it uh, authenticated by antiquities experts in, uh, in the U.K., and uh, I, these are just, they, they listed a whole bunch of stuff, um, but some of the stuff in the box is extremely rare. Um, they, a- antiquities from this, uh, from the Ming Dynasty, uh, there are only five known examples of some of the uh, pieces in the, uh, in the box, only a handful of known examples, and most of them are museum pieces. Um, every indication that the items in the box were made for the emperor from the imperial workshop, the Ming dynasty. 
Um, the whole box is expected to be worth somewhere around $12,000 U.S. It will go up for auction next month. So let that be a lesson to you. The reason I bring it up, <laughs> your, your spring cleaning, don't throw anything away. Don't throw any boxes away. Now, how much... Uh, much dust is on them no matter what you think whether there is just junk or whatever until you have them appraised lesson learned there crazy stuff some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your thursday morning started wfin news i'm matt demchek your wtol 11 weather partly sunny today with a high in the mid 60s becoming cloudy tonight a low around 50 The Seneca County Sheriff's Office says it arrested a man who was found in a parked vehicle with a child in the middle of the night. The Sheriff's Office says the deputy was patrolling in the village of New Regal when they came across a parked vehicle in a parking lot. Upon approaching the vehicle, the deputy discovered two people inside. The operator of the vehicle, Victor Franklin West, 40 years old, of Oregon, and the passenger, a 14-year-old juvenile. The Sheriff's Office says the two met on a social media app and met up with one another in the parking lot. The Sheriff's Office said West was arrested for contributing to the delinquency of a juvenile and unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. Get more on the website. There's now a price tag for how much Norfolk Southern Rail Company will pay for that early February train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. The company is attributing a nearly $400 million loss in profit to the situation in eastern Ohio. The disaster caused evacuations and massive cleanup efforts. Norfolk Southern has committed nearly $31 million in compensation and support to the community there. We heard from CEO Alan Shaw last week. Shaw expressed his support of the Railway Safety Act, which enhances the safety of carrying those hazardous materials. I'm Tracy Townsend. The head of the Finley Hancock County Public Library was at the Ohio State House for Library Legislative Day as part of National Library Week. Sarah Clevidence joined officials from other libraries across Ohio to meet lawmakers and advocate on behalf of Ohio's public libraries. Libraries provide programs and services to Ohioans of all ages and do so in a very cost-effective manner. State funding through the Public Library Fund is critically important because it remains a primary source of revenue for public libraries. Sarah says Ohio's public libraries have the highest use per capita in the country. Get more on the website. The Special Olympics of Ohio Northwest Region is hosting its spring games on Sunday in Findlay. Nadine Weininger with Blanchard Valley Center in Findlay says the games will include volleyball, track, and other events. Fans are welcome to stop out and cheer on the athletes. More than 800 athletes from 26 counties will be participating in the spring games that get underway on Sunday morning at 8 at Findlay High School. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. We're going to jump right into our cover story here this morning as Habitat for Humanity prepares to raise the wall this weekend on their next home build projects. The program's kind of coming full circle with its first official mortgage burning ceremony at the same time. Habitat's Wendy McCormick joins us on the line this morning. And Wendy, thank you very much for uh, carving out some time for us this morning. I know you've been incredibly busy this week getting ready for everything that will be happening this weekend. So we appreciate you joining us. We're so excited, and thank you so much for having us. And it's just a wonderful time at Habitat and for our family. A lot of exciting things going on. So these next home build projects uh, that you'll be raising the wall for this weekend, tell us a little bit more about these. 
Absolutely. Uh, we're raising walls for the Otto family and the Rodriguez family. These are homes number 54 and 55. Uh, both single moms uh, looking forward to the dream of homeownership. Uh, they've been working so hard. They've been attending their financial opportunity center uh, coaches. Uh, they've been uh, re- receiving financial education, completing their 400 hours of sweat equity, uh, and it's all culminating uh, to launching and raising the walls this Saturday. Uh, we'll be at 1705 Park Street and Sherry Street. Uh, they're back-to-back houses, and uh, we encourage you to come. All the parkings at Emory Adams Park, and the ceremony begins promptly at 8 a.m., and you can even jump up on the deck with us and help us raise those walls at 8 o'clock. Volunteers will never be turned away. Now, are these uh, special builds at all? I mean, I know uh, sometimes you have uh, various groups that really kind of take charge uh, on, on these projects. Uh, are, are there any uh, special groups you need to uh, give a shout out for? Uh, well, on, sure, on sure, absolutely. Uh, we have the, the house number 54 is a community build. Okay. So uh, really led with the efforts of all different organizations and corporations from the community. One of our leaders is Whirlpool, and we're actually building for a Whirlpool family. Oh, and crazy. Whirlpool will be providing all the appliances, again, for both homes, which is just amazing. And all the crew leaders, they're just such a wonderful partner. And then the other home was built uh, from our virtual fundraiser last spring called mm. the Signature Event. Uh, which actually went live this spring, uh, and we'll be building homes every year. So these are all our fabulous families in the community that help raise funds and led by the efforts of Marathon Petroleum, our presenting sponsor. So uh, the signature build and the community build. Now, as for for the public uh, side of this, you know, for the general public, this is where the process starts with is raise the wall. But as you were alluding to, for the families, this is just the next step. This started way before the uh, way before the the walls actually get raised. That's correct. Um, for families themselves, they have to apply. Uh, we're accepting applications now um, for homes in 2024. Uh, they can go to habitatfinley.org and, and fill out an application. And um, But the families are with a financial opportunity center coach, and they're usually in our program for anywhere for a year to two years. Mm. Um, uh, the Otto family actually went through a horrible storm incident, and her mobile home was literally had its roof torn off wow. last summer. So her journey, she has been working furiously uh, to get ready for homeownership this spring. And due to her high need, which is another way we prioritize our families that mm-hmm. have been working, uh, we were able to get her into our our program right away for partnership this spring. So uh, she's had a little bit shorter time frame to be working on everything, but boy, has she been working hard. So. And, and as we mentioned, uh, alongside the Raise the Wall uh, ceremony, you will be holding your first official mortgage burning ceremony at the uh, same time which as we mentioned kind of brings this program full circle you've been around long enough that folks are now actually paying off these homes that you have built previously and that's an important point that we always bring up it's not like this is not a a free home that you're giving uh, giving away thank, thank you thank you yes everywhere i go and speak i always try to remind people that our families will be taking on a mortgage just like you and i we serve as their bank, uh, and they receive a, a lower zero entrance, uh, uh, interest mortgage. And um, Sherry Campbell-Thornton has uh, been in her home a little over 20 years, 
and uh, made her last payment this month. Wow. And we're going to celebrate uh, at the Raise the Wall ceremony. And as you said, kind of, she's at the end of her journey with Habitat, as our other two families are just beginning their journey. And she's going to burn that mortgage this oh, Saturday. Over the course of that 20 years, uh, is there uh, follow-up and contact and continued uh, assistance and that kind of thing? Uh, because, you know, that's a long time. And, you know, obviously things can come up. Um, and while you're still in the process of getting back on your feet, uh, that can, I, I would imagine, be a challenge sometimes. It is. It is. Life happens to right. our families, and yeah. Habitat's there to walk along beside them. Um, we've had the deaths of spouses. We've mm. had job loss. We had COVID. You know, it's just uh, just like everybody has. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we have family advocates that partner with the families and and, uh, help them through those troubling times. Uh, We we can refinance just like a normal bank where Mm. needed um, or put together special payment plans. And uh, Sherry's uh, paying hers off exactly at her 20-year marker. So she's been blessed and raised three children there and now has met her husband and her and her husband will continue to reside in the home. How often uh, does Uh, do those families actually uh, go through the entire 20 years? I would imagine uh, that there are that there are some who are not successful or some who actually have tremendous success and and maybe move on to a to another home and, you know, sell the home. I mean, how how often uh, do these families uh, historically uh, go through the entire 20 year process? Yes. So um, this is actually our first one to make her full final payment. Okay. However, we've um, building house 54 and 55. Uh, we've obviously had more than 50 families in our program. Mm-hmm. Um, life also happens in a good way, which is what we want the house to do. The whole reason homeownership is so important is it helps you stabilize. Um, it helps you take care of all those other issues that are going on in your life, and we hope it becomes an asset that you use to grow in your family. Yeah, um, We've had families get married and um, be able to then get an actual commercial loan um, and outgrow their little three-bedroom, one-bath habitat house mm-hmm. and um, been able to go on and, and uh, grow their family and, and their asset pool by buying another home. So, yay. Um, We've had families that have moved on and gotten other jobs or moved to other areas and had to actually sell the home. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we protect the equity in the home and all the donations. So they don't become rich, but they also can build equity and assets off of what what they have. Like any home. Like any home, it's it's going to be a stepping stone to something hopefully bigger and better on down the line. That's correct. And it's important to say that none of our families have failed. We have zero foreclosures. That is awesome. So even though we've had some sell and, you know, leave the Habitat family, Mm -hmm. uh, we have first right of purchase. So where we can, we've actually purchased those and put other Habitat families right into the home. That is terrific. So uh, again, the the uh, it just it's a program that that continues to grow and build and give back. Uh, it's definitely one of those. What do we always talk about? A a hand up, not a handout. That's correct, Chris. Thank you so much. And and that's really it. How do we help take families who are paying a thousand dollars in rent and put them in a mortgage for six hundred dollars a month? 
and free up all that, you know, disposable income so they can actually take care of themselves and their family. Well, building uh, good money habits along the line in the re- in the real world. Uh, so the uh, raise the wall and mortgage burning ceremony will be happening on Saturday. Give us all of the details once again. Absolutely. Please join us. Uh, we will start promptly at 8 a.m. on Saturday, April 29th, this Saturday. The address is 1705 Park Street, uh, and you want to park at Emory Adams Park at where Pearl Street intersects with Emory, Emory Adams. It is definitely a time of celebration for these families, uh, and uh, was hoping that the entire community can be a part of it. If you want to learn more about the Habitat for Humanity program, how to apply, uh, how to support uh, the program, we've got it linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. And again, Wendy McCormick, Habitat for Humanity of Finley and Hancock County, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Heather Clough is here from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts, taking a look at what's going on as we come into the month of May, a month of May, and of course uh, with a warmer weather season right around the corner, taking uh, the entertainment to the streets here in the not too distant future. So, getting ready for a very busy season. That's right, taking it to the parking lots and the parks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, before we get to uh, the stuff that's coming up in uh, May, there are actually uh, a couple of things. Uh, to uh, highlight that are still happening yet this week. Yes. Uh, you've got a Live at Arms uh, concert today. We rather. do, yeah. We have one with Scott Mulvihill. Mm-hmm. He plays the upright bass and he sings. He toured for about five years with Ricky Skaggs' Kentucky Thunder. Oh, wow. So he's got chops. Yeah, okay. we're really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, and a few, still a few tickets left for that. Uh, okay, so uh, that is the uh, uh, Live at Arms series. Very intimate, very... It uh, it's in Arms Hall. It's set up sort small. of club style. Yeah. Not like big dance club, but you know, like listening right. room club. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you also have tomorrow, uh, Classic Seeger. Yes, so if you like Bob Seeger, you want to check this out. This is... Probably the closest we'll get to having actual Bob Seger <laughs> at MCPA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so still uh, tickets available for a that few, show. Yeah, that yeah. one is selling very well. People okay. here love Bob Seger. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, check those out. And uh, for the next several days, still have the uh, Hancock County Student Showcase uh, at the uh, Fisherwall Art Gallery. We do. There's a lot of art jammed into that room right now, and it's great. It's amazing how talented these kids are. Yeah. And the, it'll be there through next Friday. Now, uh, is this art of all kinds? It um, is, yep. We have um, drawing, I think there's some photos, sculpture, so there's some ceramics. Yeah, all okay. kinds of art. Yeah, really neat. And uh, that, again, is an annual thing that you've done for a number it of is. years. Yep, just like the watercolors. We bring them in every year. It's exciting to have... To go from professional artists to the advanced students. It's, yeah, it's and and as we say, uh, and we've talked about this before, the art gallery is uh, absolutely free. It's open anytime the doors are open. Exactly. So. Yep, come on up and check it out. Walk around. Um, so a uh, couple of things that are coming up uh, in the uh, month of May. Um, let me see here. There's a, another Live at Arms series. There's uh, another, yep, that's weeks. with a legend, uh, Loudon Wainwright III. And at that a series, we're going to be announcing next year's Live at Arms shows. Aha. Uh-huh. So you won't want to miss that one. <laughs> that one is going to be uh, a good one. And uh, also beginning, we talk about getting outside uh, starting in the month of May, the food trucks are back. Yes, so they're going to be the third Wednesday of the month, and mm-hmm. we'll have, you know, we're hoping for half a dozen. We, you know, it depends on food trucks kind of go where they want to go sometimes, so mm-hmm. we'll see how many we get, but we're hoping for about a half a dozen every, when, you know, every month, and 
come just have some lunch and hang out. If it's hot, you can come on in and sit in the atrium. And that is throughout the, the summer months and yes. into the fall. Yep, through September at least. Yeah. Sometimes we even go into October. So awesome stuff. Uh, yeah. Circle that on the calendar. And the first one of those is May 3rd. Yes, so next, next week. week. Yes. Yeah. Next week. Um, and with respect to getting out, uh, starting to make the plans for those uh, summer events. Yes. So like- we will have the Riverside Park series, mm-hmm. um, which thankfully you come and I'm MC for I will us. be there again. <laughs> and, uh, it's featuring civic bands from all over the region. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a great family event, free. And those are, are free yeah. Wednesday, still Wednesday evenings yes. at yep. Riverside Park. Yeah, we're not show. changing that up. Yep. And then on Tuesdays at noon, we have lunchtime live. So those are in the Waterval Pavilion, and it's mostly, you know, singer-songwriters, much smaller groups, two or kinda three like people. Kind of like taking the Live at Arms series outdoors. Exactly. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But the same kind of vibe. It there. is, yeah. People come with picnics, and they sit and just enjoy the music, and you could chat with the folks. And, and, and that is uh, Tuesdays? Tuesdays. Yep, okay. at 11.30, I believe. So when do those programs start? Uh, I should know that. It, they start um, early June. Okay. So we don't start till okay. after so Boogie. So we'll yeah. get a little bit more info on that uh, yes. next month when we have you in uh, next time. Right. Obviously, it'd be uh, closer, but start to circle those on the calendar. And both of those are weekly. Yes, right? yes, okay. we do this every week. Uh, and then before you know it, uh, Boogie on the Block. Boogie on the coming. Block, June 2nd. Already uh, in, you know, everything in the works for that? Yeah, it's, it's well underway. We have Nashville Crush coming. I know they're regional favorites, so we're excited to put a country twist on Boogie this year. Terrific. And uh, so... All kinds of things going on, and uh, many of them, like the uh, outdoor uh, events, the concerts in the park, the lunchtime live, uh, those you don't need tickets. They're just no, open. They're Come free. on in, exactly. uh, you know, whenever you can. Yep. Uh, for the events at the Marathon Center, tickets are all available on the website, right? It is, mcpa.org. You can also give us a call from 11 to 4, and Tyler would be happy to sell you tickets, too. So uh, this is actually we're kind of winding down uh, the performing arts season. Right. So yeah. our main stage shows are actually all done. We've, yeah. we've done those for the season. But on June 13th, I'll be announcing next season. Okay. That's why I was going to say uh so kind of take us through this process what this involves uh because i know uh you've you were recently at a uh, conference uh with other um executives of other performing arts centers such as yourself yeah oh there are a lot of conferences and our conferences are fun because we get to see music (laughs) which is great (laughs) so that actually is part of the whole you know where you discover uh shows and and things it is they do what's called showcases so they're Mm -hmm. like 15 minute long concerts and hotel conference rooms and they perform and you just get a feel for them live because it's hard to book something if you haven't seen it yeah live yeah um i've done that before and i've booked some things that i probably wouldn't have if i had seen them yeah. live <laughs> it, i would imagine that you know it happens yeah. it's one of the things yeah. but uh there is a, a lot that does go into this yeah people don't realize how much contract negotiation there are mm-hmm. so i reach out to an agent and i have agents i work with and i work with regularly mm-hmm. um you know and i trust them and they know what i'm looking to do but you just reach out to an agent and you start the conversation and you know, it usually starts with how much are they asking what's the ask is what i'll say yeah <laughs> and then i get a rider a contract rider which will tell me what we need to do technically. Mm-hmm. Um, something like the Broadway shows, we spend as much on tech as we pay for the show because wow. they're big shows. Yeah. Um, and, and it is interesting that, uh, again, this is obviously uh, not a theater that is the size of 
um, say, the Ohio Theater in Columbus exactly. or even, you know, the Huntington Center in Toledo. Absolutely. Or, you know, we we like have that. less than a thousand seats. Um, but uh, that doesn't seem to have necessarily hampered the ability to attract some of these uh, uh, big shows. I mean, certainly yeah. we've had some. Yeah. I mean, if you, you pay them enough, they'll come. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it, it, you know, there are some shows that won't fit on our stage. Jersey Boys, for instance, I found out will not fit on our stage mm. unless they significantly cut the tour down. We're not going to get Jersey Boys in anytime soon. Yeah, but most of them will make a fit like Fiddler. They cut it down a little bit. You couldn't tell it was a great show. Mm-hmm. And uh, the re- the reason I bring this up because I mean we think of you know you have to be this big three thousand four thousand five thousand seat theater. Uh, but there are actually uh, theaters on Broadway that are comparable in size. Absolutely, to, there are. Yeah. The thing you have to keep in mind is if you, the bigger shows are going to want more money mm-hmm. and we only have so many seats to sell. So ticket prices might be higher than what we want to see. Right. But the way I look so at it. that's always a balancing it act. It is a balancing act. Yeah. And the way I look at it is people want to see those big names here. Mm-hmm. And if I do, enough of, I do enough of those, those will help fund the free events in the park sure. and things like that. You know, yeah. it, we're a nonprofit and we're a performing arts center, you know, mm-hmm. a, a concert venue. Yeah. And we have to balance those two things. Yeah. Um, and so it also, I would imagine, depends on what kind of uh, environment that an artist is looking for. Absolutely. You um, know, Garth Brooks famously did a really small tour of, like, he just, him and his guitar and mm-hmm. these grungy little dives. Yeah. You know, sometimes people are looking to do that. Yeah. Um, and and it seems like increasingly a lot of artists are looking to do more intimate shows as opposed to stadium shows uh, with respect right. to concerts and yeah, and, and like I think that. it's just people always comment on how nice it is to be so close to the audience in right. the CPA and is, they get that interaction. Is that the same for like a, a stage play or a musical or something like that? Do a they little less? It depends on the show. I mean, yeah. um, they generally pretend the audience isn't there. Mm-hmm. shows like that right sure so if it can fit and we can pay them you know that that's what makes <laughs> and more then, sense to them and then on your end obviously it's always uh trying to find a a good balance of things like concerts and plays and you know all of those types yeah of things. yeah with our and new the type of entertainment right so with our new programming model i try to do one headliner which mm-hmm. is like a johnny mathis show right um two broadway shows a holiday show and then more of a pop concert mm-hmm. pop country you know the the and that, type of and that is uh, something that, that you did a little bit differently this year as opposed to uh, years past. What's the verdict on it? We sold overestimate. We sold close to 90% for every show except for one. Yeah. Um, I think the verdict is yes. So, <laughs> you know, we, it, it, um, we got donations so people could get tickets early. And just in general, it was an overall success from what I hear. But people will let me know if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's one thing that uh, you've, we've talked about before. You're always open to uh, suggestions, ideas. And, Absolutely. And I want to hear what people want to see. Yeah. Um, and again, the... Uh, announcement is uh, coming up here in just a little over yeah. a month. How close are you to actually finalizing all of it? Is it, is it set yet, or are you still making yeah. those so last main, minute? Main stage, I've booked all but one show. Okay. Um, for the family series, I've made offers on all the shows and only confirmed one. <laughs> um, and live at arms is set, so I'm I'm basically one concert away. I think. So uh, I, Keep I your just fingers wonder, crossed. For I just me. wonder you got the the date uh, for the announcement is set. That's so right. like the day before, are you, right. are you I saying have a hard deadline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, again, we've got a link up for more information uh, about all of the stuff that's going on. Even though, like we said, the uh, main stage uh, series is actually over, still a very busy season Absolutely, coming up. Yes. 
And uh, you can go to goodmornings.net and learn more. Heather Clow, the Marathon, uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate you. it. Information that makes a difference. Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Something really weird uh, happened in L.A. Uh, what was this, yesterday? Uh, Tuesday, I'm sorry. So Tuesday, earlier this week. And I know there are all kinds of weird things that happen in L.A., but this is unusual even for La La Land. Uh, an anonymous man climbed the antenna tower, the broadcast tower, for local TV station in Hollywood with a sign that read Free Billie Eilish. <laughs> you know, the pop singer? I didn't know that uh, she needed freed, but apparently uh, this person, whoever it was, uh, believed that she needed uh, needed uh, freed. Free Billie Eilish. At one point during his uh, trip up into the air, he began playing a guitar. Uh, the man remained on the KTLA TV tower for over three hours and was uncooperative with officers who tried to remove him from the tower. He finally climbed down about 9.30 in the evening and was arrested for trespassing. It is unclear at this time exactly what the man was protesting. <laughs> yes, all kinds of weird uh, right there. That's uh, Let's see what else is going on. Uh, again, weirdness in the Arizona State Legislature, where a state lawmaker in Arizona has admitted to hiding the Bibles that were located in a House members-only lounge. The members-only lounge for uh, members of the uh, state legislature. And there were Bibles there. Representative Stephanie Stahl Hamilton um, was captured on security video taking the Bibles in the lounge and then stashing them. I mean, under cushions. Uh, one ended up in a refrigerator. <laughs> she just hid them. Um, as it now, initially you might think, well, does she have something against the Bible? She's actually an ordained minister and she uh, told local news reporters it was actually a humorous, playful commentary on the separation of church and state. But, uh, the speaker of the house says, uh, her motives are still being questioned. She's <laughs> just weird. Just weird. Mm, let's see. From Illinois, an elderly man is accused of gunning down his neighbor following an argument. 79-year-old Ettore Lachey was charged with shooting his neighbor, William Martis, uh, after Mr. Martis used a leaf blower on uh, Mr. Lachey's property. So he shot him using a leaf blower. For the record, if my neighbors want to clean up my lawn, I got no problem with it. <laughs> no problem. Um, Mr. Lachey is expected in court later today for a uh, bail hearing. So Just seems to be a bit of an overreaction there. Uh, some of the international stories from the broken news this morning. Earlier this week, this may be, I mean, you, you think of uh, regions of conflict. Uh, in the world, um, say between North and South Korea, or 
uh, China and Taiwan or uh, Israel and uh, Palestinians in the West Bank. Um, well, on Monday morning, Sweden's space center launched a test rocket into Norway. <laughs> not, not two nations that you really think are necessarily uh, at odds or, or warring factions there between Sweden and Norway. The rocket landed 25 miles off target. Uh, into the uh, mountains of uh, Norway, although no one was injured and no property appears to have been damaged, Norwegian authorities were none too thrilled. Uh, we take any unauthorized activity on the Norwegian side of the border very seriously, according to the foreign ministry. The Swede- And this was not a military, this is actually a space rocket. The Space Corporation of Sweden has since apologized and claims that they will look into what went wrong. It's still too early, they say, to speculate about the cause. But <laughs> if we if we hear about an armed conflict between Sweden and Norway amassing troops at the border, then you know what's going on. <laughs> oh, that's just kind of strange. Um, not uh, not where you figure a big hot spot of uh, conflict in the world. Um, <laughs> A uh, a person in uh, Germany. Uh, this is good. It says here a tenant in Germany attempted to pay less on his rent due to his landlord's nude sunbathing. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the court was not having it. The case involved a human resources company renting an office in Frankfurt. The business withheld rent payments because it objected to the landlord's nude sunbathing on the property. The landlord then sued the company for back rent. However, the court uh, did not give the uh, company a break, saying that the uh, spot where the nude sunbathing occurred could only be seen by leaning far out the window. Also, it concluded that the plaintiff stated credibly that he always wore a bathrobe, which he only took off just before the sun lounger. So apparently, it's okay. I <clears throat> still got to pay your rent. Landlord sunbathing nude. Um, this is kind of funny. Uh, in uh, the UK, this is in the uh, Swansea area of the UK. Um, road workers were had re apparently had repaved uh, the road outside of a school, so they had to. Uh, paint the school crossing uh, thing on the uh, on the road, right? I mean, we have those in this country too. You you know, driving along and it says school on the on the road. Um, in a hilarious blunder, the workers managed to misspell the word school. <laughs> they spelled it S H C O L, so it's school. Um, <laughs> and that's not all. Uh, in Swansea, they also uh, paint the signs in Welsh for those who uh, don't speak English. And they also botched the Welsh spelling of the world um, instead of Y-S or instead of Y-S-G-O-L, uh, which I have no idea how it's pronounced in Welsh, but that's how it's spelled, Y-S-G-O-L. And uh, they spelled it Y-S-O-O-L. So they misspelled that one too. <laughs> Apparently the Road workers need to go back to school. <laughs> Thankfully, 
the uh, utility company owned up to their mistake and promised to fix the error. According to the company's spokesperson, the team will be back to make things right. Uh, hopefully, they will use their spelling books this time around. <laughs> Send them back to school. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, this is something I bet you never thought of, and we're coming up on travel season. you got to be aware of next time you go through airport security. Um, in Boston, uh, airport police confiscated a traveler's backpack when they discovered a weapon in it. A uh, 26-year-old was caught with a sharp titanium vampire straw uh, earlier this month at Boston Logan International Airport. Um, They considered it a dangerous weapon, this straw. It's a uh, metal, you know how reusable straws kind of all the rage these days instead of the plastic disposables. So they have these metal straws that have a pointed end so you can stick them through, you know, lids of cups and and things but the pointed end is sharp it's metal they said it could be used as a weapon uh the uh, the man was actually arrested on a charge of attempting to carry a dangerous weapon onto an airplane and um the uh i i don't have his uh, i don't have his name it's 26 years old but uh let that be a lesson to you. Next time you're going through uh, airport, if you have one of those uh, metal straws has a pointed end, they'll get you. Wow. How about that? <clears throat> they say it can be easily hidden, and it is a, a point of emphasis for uh, TSA officers. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Vlentz with OSU Extension. It's planning season. Drivers will be sharing roads with tractors and farm machinery. Be alert for slow-moving vehicles, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this spring to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Do you know somebody who is expecting, uh, somebody who's uh, expecting a a child? Uh, According to a new poll, they asked, what are the most annoying pieces of advice that parents will give to expecting parents? They polled uh, 1,000 respondents uh, who recently had a baby, and they asked, "What are the <laughs> what is the most annoying advice that people will give you?" And number one, far and away on the list, the most annoying advice that new parents will get: sleep when the baby sleeps. And how many times have you given that advice or heard that advice uh, yourself? Uh, the second most annoying, after sleep when the baby sleeps, the second most popular response. Uh, were those parents who said, well, I always did this with my kids, whatever this is. I always did this, and my kids turned out fine. That can be very uh, annoying for new parents as well. Uh, The study found (laughs) 
Of the 1,000 respondents with young children, the average new parent will receive, get this, 200 pieces of advice by the time their baby is six months old. (laughs) That's a lot of unsolicited advice. Uh, 200 pieces of advice. 44% say they received their first tip the moment they told others that they were expecting. So we don't hold back and we don't waste time. We are quick to share our advice with parents-to-be. And uh, just the, the fact that new parents are overwhelmed with so much unsolicited advice can be overwhelming in itself. Uh, one parent said, your whole life is changing And it's hard to tell which tidbits are useful, which are helpful, which are outdated, and which could actually be harmful, maybe because they're outdated. And, you know, we know more now than we used to. So um, one thing is certain, all parents are trying to do what's best for their baby and for their families. And I would go uh, on to say that the people who are offering advice uh, are just trying to do the same thing. But I... And I have to admit that I am probably guilty of this, and I've got to bite my tongue and and think about it every time, you know, because uh, son and daughter-in-law uh, have two now, and you have that urge to share advice. <laughs> you got to hold your tongue unless they ask for it. I tried to do my best to not offer that unsolicited advice, but it can be tough. You really can. We are joined in the studio by Sarah Clevidence, the Finley Hancock County Public Library, National Library Week. Happy National week. Library How Week. How about that? <laughs> uh, and we were talking about it in the uh, in the news. You recently uh, spent some time in Columbus with uh, lawmakers and uh, and so on as uh, part of, uh, what is the conference? Uh, it's uh, the details. Ohio it. Library Council's Legislative Library Day. Council. Okay. Yes. So legislative Day. Down there with, you know, 300 of my library friends from around okay. the state. What do, uh, what do library directors uh, talk about when they uh, get together for uh, things like this? Libraries, of course. Libraries, you know, yeah. all the great things we're doing. There's so many cool things that libraries do and not one library can't do all of it. So it's mm-hmm. great to see what, what's working well in other communities, um, you know, what challenges we're having. Uh, and, and yesterday, of course, we were talking about the state budget and the state support of libraries. And um, what, is the, what is the status of that? Because I, this is something that I, I think is, uh, maybe it's a bit of how the sausage is made, I guess. But, sure. um, you know, the, the funding from uh, for libraries, because obviously, People come in, they check out books, you don't pay for those. Right. Um, and, you know, where does that operating uh, funding come from? So Ohio is really lucky to have a, a great funding model and a great partnership between local libraries and the state. Uh, libraries in Ohio are funded through the Public Library Fund, which is a percentage of the general revenue fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the current permanent law is 1.66% of the general revenue fund goes to the Public Library Fund. For the new state budget, the governor's proposal and the House proposal both uh, will raise that to 1.7% in permanent law, which is very exciting. It, it doesn't sound like much, but it, it can is. translate to a, a, a big amount. It really does. And that that PLF funding then is divided out across all of the counties in Ohio. And mm-hmm. at the county level, it's divided across the all the public libraries that have served part of the population of that county. And, and for 50 of the public libraries in Ohio 
all of their funding is coming from the state. Mm -hmm. The other 200 also have uh, other funding sources like local levies. So where does the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library kind of fall in that? About 72% of our funding comes through the state, through the, the PLF. Mm-hmm. Another 22% is our local levy fund. And then, you know, we have gifts, uh, friend support, grants, things like that that mm-hmm. make up the remainder. Um, and it's also probably exciting uh, to have the library fund, the state uh, library fund, increase because obviously there's always conversations of where can you cut and where can you be more uh uh, austere, uh, you know, at the at the state uh, budget. Everybody, you know, lawmakers are are very much cognizant of that. Of course. Um, so to actually get an increase as opposed to a cut is exciting, and yeah. we are watching closely now how uh, some of their other proposed changes with the income tax might impact the overall GRF and mm-hmm. and therefore the the public library fund. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, all lawmakers really understand the importance of libraries and what they offer to to the constituents of Ohio and how popular they are in now, Ohio. Uh, folks may remember, and I think we talked about this the last time uh, you were here, uh, you're looking for feedback from, from the public about uh, you know what you do and the way you do it and what you could do, what the library should look like in the future. Yeah, our, our survey for strategic planning has just wrapped up mm-hmm. um, the last week or so. So uh, we have some conversations scheduled with our board, with our staff, um, with a group of community leaders. And then the state library consultant that we're working with is putting all of that information together uh, to give our, our staff the backbone for our next strategic plan. Is that a coincidence that that uh, happened uh, on on the heels of you know this legislative day where you go and, and talk with uh, the powers that be about uh, library funding? It actually really is coincidence because <laughs> we do a strategic planning process every three years and we go down for legislative day every year during National Library Week. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly fortuitous uh, that you get both of these things at the same time where you can put those numbers together and then see you know what happens next absolutely it's very impactful when you say you know how many people are using your your public libraries in ohio 7.7 mm-hmm. million registered card holders in ohio is pretty impressive and did i hear that right that uh hancock county is uh one of the 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 biggest uh in ohio is that we're not necessarily one of the biggest we're yeah, upper mid range. You know, you've got your major metros like Toledo well, sure. or Columbus. But I mean, you know, but per, per capita, you know that that you have. You're very uh, Ohio in general, nationwide. Ohio in general, okay. Yes. That was the, yeah. That was the yeah. thing. So Ohio, Ohio per capita has the highest library. People uh, people use their libraries. Ohioans understand what special things they have in their libraries, and they're coming in for books, movies, music, digital materials. You know, to to check out our programs to see the variety of things offered. So with that in mind, let's kind of segue into some of the things that are going on as we head into the month of May. As we were mentioning earlier, I can't believe that we're uh, a fourth of the way or a third of the way uh, now uh, through the uh, through the year that we're talking about May already. But what's going on in the uh, coming month? Early May, you know, is Art Walk in Finley, always mm-hmm. a, a big event in downtown Finley, and we're excited to be part of it again with our tiny art show during Art Walk. Uh, we'll also have a puppet show uh, put on by the Maza Museum at 5.45 that evening. And then for Mata the Blue, the acapella choir from Liberty Benton High School will perform at 6.30. 
Uh, the Friends of the Library have their, their big book sale in conjunction with that. So they'll be open late that night with lots of great bargains. So that should be a really big, exciting event happening okay. to kick off May. We talk about uh, fund uh, fundraisers. That's another uh, thing that uh, you know uh, helps to fund some of the things that uh, that you do and the, the Friends of the Library do. And Absolutely. So yeah, yeah the, the Friends offer funding for a wide variety of things we do throughout the year. And the book sales help them raise the, those funds to do so that. So while we're on that conversation, just to uh, circle back on that, what else is going on in the month of May that we want to highlight? Well, you know, since we're talking about funding things, another source for us is grants. And we got a grant uh, not too long ago from the Ohio Department of Education. It's the Libraries Accelerate Learning Grant. And one of the things we've done with that grant funding is uh, purchase a, a new resource called BrainFuse. It's got two different sides to it. There's a homework help side, so you can get live homework help. Uh, you know, when your kids are doing that new math stuff and mm-hmm. you're not sure what's up, you yeah. can connect virtually with a tutor uh, live. There's also a job help side. Um, so resume writing, you could practice uh, interview skills, again, live virtually uh, with someone. So there's a lot of really great components to both of those, and they're available on our website. So I really hope our community will so, check them out. So those are available online? Those are. And those are online now? They are, Okay. yes. Um, anything else to uh, highlight? I know... You know, month of May, uh, school's going to be ending. And kids mm-hmm. are uh, obviously heading into a summer break. We don't want to let them settle into that brain drain and, and all of that. No. You know, regular trips to the library, a great way to make sure that they uh, still keep their gray matter active. Absolutely. And so we spend a lot of May preparing for the summer and summer read programming, mm-hmm. which will kick off in June, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great way to keep your kids engaged. You know, during the school year, Kids are busy, and there's a lot of things that they have to do or have to read for mm-hmm. school. Summer's a really great time to just read because you want to read whatever is interesting to you. And uh, so when we have you back the next time, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Summer Read. Uh, so that program will be uh, ready to launch. Uh, but in the meantime, don't forget the library. We'll be getting uh, to the uh, warm weather months. Absolutely. Lots of uh, things going on at, at the library, programming and such, and it's all up on the uh, website, which we have linked up at our webpage as well. Again, Sarah Clevidence, the Finley Hancock County Library. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Quick note, there will be no podcast tomorrow, taking a bit of an extended weekend. Coming up the first of next week into the month of May, as summer vacation season approaches, a new bank rate survey finds consumers' travel plans may be more scaled back than anticipated this year. That would be discouraging news for a tourism industry which has yet to fully recover from the effects of the pandemic. We'll dig into the numbers. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great extended weekend. We'll catch you back here next week. We'll be right back.